I uh, preached through the book of Isaiah in Romania. I finished probably, I don't remember, this last winter, I think, and preached one, one, about one message per chapter. I might have done two, I don't remember. And I did like a, basically a spiritual application. I didn't do a doctrinal study, even though I would mention doctrine, you know, because a lot of passages are millennial passages and so on, tribulation or whatever. But I did like a, um, applied it to the church and how we can learn. And the book of Isaiah is just a wonderful, wonderful book. A lot of blessings. I really, really enjoyed preaching through it. Maybe one day I'll do it as a podcast and go through the messages and record it. I don't know if I have time. Uh, but tonight, today we're going to look at the preacher's message. This is a really simple message here in Isaiah 61, the first three verses. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ when he came here on earth. And God gave him a message, and he gave him a very specific work to do. And this, it's not complicated, it's not hard, this message. Now, I like preaching doctrine, I enjoy it. Um, I preached over 10 books of the Bible since 2015 and many, many other topical studies and things like that. Uh, really, really enjoy getting in the doctrine. But when I go out in the streets, when I go out to witness to this world, my message is very, very simple, really. And this is primarily a positive message. There's one negative point, okay? But out of the five things, one is negative, four or positive. And we're going to look at the preacher's message, our message to this world. Let's read Isaiah 61. We'll read the first, uh, first three verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll continue. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship you, Lord, in song and prayers, Lord, and studying through your word. And thank you, Lord, for the liberty, the freedom we have, Lord, to to come and open your word and worship as a church. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you'll bless this morning, bless this message, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to only say, Lord, what you would have me say. And Lord, we'll thank you, we'll praise you for all you'll do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here, this is a beautiful picture of a preacher preaching a message to this world. And even though it's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll look at this in Luke chapter 4 in just a minute, we can apply this to us as his children because we're to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We're we're to follow his example, right? So let's look this morning when Jesus left the glories of heaven and he came down here on earth, what did he do? Did, Did he preach complicated doctrine? Did he just condemn people? Did he stay away from people? What did he do? Let's look at how Jesus ministered to people this morning. So number one, I'm going to go through the first two points really fast. I want to get to the third one, the message, okay? The the message he preached. But number one, he was spirit-filled in verse one. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So first, he was filled with the spirit of God. Interesting, he's God, 100% 100% God, and yet 100% man, so he needed the Holy Spirit. Yeah, very, very interesting. Mystery. Hard to understand, really, isn't it? But he needed the Holy Spirit. He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I know when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I know when I'm not. It's not mystical. It's not, you know, something weird. It's just, I know when I'm close to God, and I've prayed, and I've prepared myself to either preach here this morning or go out and handle gospel tracts or whatever. I know the difference. You all know the difference. There's a difference being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, God will still use you. Because God's word will not return void, right? I mean, it's his, it's his word. Thank God for that. Because we're not perfect. <laughs> you know, we got this flesh. And sometimes, you know, I mean, listen, 10 o'clock, go hand out gospel tracts. Go talk to people in the street Saturday morning. We all have that, you know, go there every week. And you're busy. The baby's crying. Everybody's upset. You just go out of the house. Traffic's bad. You didn't get your coffee. It's really bad. You know what I'm saying? And you get there and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And you know it. And you know it. And you do it in your flesh. Now, God will still use his word, but we can accomplish so much more. And God can get so much more glory if we follow example here and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God in our life. He can lead us and guide us and help us. We need that help. I need the power of God in my life. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Keep a finger in Isaiah. We'll be going back there. Luke chapter 4. Now here, Jesus is going to quote this passage when he stands up here. And I believe it's the temple. Luke chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he withstood all that temptation, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God if we're going to be able to accomplish and give the world the message that we're going to look at in just a minute. Look at verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what we read in Isaiah. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, from Isaiah 61. He was sent for a purpose. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. And it goes on and gives the purpose. Look, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3, verse 17, the Bible says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came for a very specific purpose, not to set them free from the Romans and get involved in politics and all that stuff. No, he came to die for their sins. Now, as his children, we're all called, we're all chosen to give the message of the gospel to this world. Everybody, we know that, okay? Every one of us is to do that. But also, I believe that Jesus had a specific purpose that the Father had for him, a work that he had to finish, right? 
And I believe every one of us tonight, uh, this morning, not tonight, this morning, have a purpose, have a job to do for Jesus Christ. And listen, it's going to be different than the person sitting next to you. I was at a mission school um, when we first flew in, uh, still under jet lag and all that really, really, really busy week, stressful week. And I preached about three times at this mission school. And I told those missionaries, young, you know, these missionaries are getting ready to go in the field and try to help them, try to encourage them and and just warn them what it's going to be like. (laughs) And I said, look, God had to teach me something. And it took a long time for God to teach me this. And he, God taught me, he says, Adam, look, you need to do what God's, what, what I've called you to do. Not somebody else. He had a purpose for me. And that's very important in this, in this message we give, in this, in, in this walk in the Christian life, because my gifts and my talents are different than yours. And I told these missionaries, I said, look, don't be comparing yourself to the other missionary across town or even a different country. Because it's different. Because I have different abilities, I have different strengths, I have different health and energy than you do. See? And I felt bad that I couldn't be like this other missionary that was going 14 hours a day just like crazy. I was like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? Or, Lord, why can't I do this ministry, this ministry? Why can't I do, you know, children's camps like this, this ministry? What's wrong with me? Is something wrong with me? I felt, I felt bad. I felt guilty. And four and five of the Lord taught me, he says, Adam, listen, stop that. You do all you can with the ability and the talents and the strength and the health that God's given you to do. And stop worrying about everybody else. See? So God has given us a purpose and a job to do. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God has a purpose for you this morning. He has a place. He has a, a place for you to minister in this congregation, in this city. Find it. Okay? That's, that's my, you know, admonition. Find what God wants you to do. If you don't know, talk to your pastor. Talk to the uh, good Christian. Help you. Find what you're good at. And when you find it, do it with all your strength and all your might. All right? We need to do something for the Lord. Now, number three, this is the heart of this message this morning, is God gave Jesus Christ a clear message. And it's beautiful. It's all right here in the first three verses of Isaiah 61. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't hard to understand. It wasn't dry religion and boring doctrine. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. It's a very simple but very important message here. And we're going to look at each one of these here in Isaiah 61. First, in verse 1, we have good tidings. The good tidings of the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Number one, the first part of this message is good tidings. It's the good news of the gospel. And this world needs some good news of the gospel. Look, Jesus said, look unto me and be saved. And that's this message. The gospel is Jesus Christ died on the cross, right? He shed his blood on the cross. Then he was buried, right? Stayed there for three days, went to hell and all that. Then he was resurrected. And then he ascended back to the Father. You find all four in the book of Acts. He died. He was buried, resurrected, and he's not still here. He went back up to heaven on the right hand of the Father where he is God. Right? And that's the gospel message. Very simple. And this world needs that message. Look at Isaiah 52. You're close there. Isaiah 52, verse 7. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. He preached the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Isaiah 52, verse 7. Now, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, quotes this passage in Romans chapter 10. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth, that publisheth salvation. That's the good news right there. That's the gospel. And the first part of this message that Jesus Christ preached was good tidings. Number two. He bound up the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me first to preach good tidings unto the meek. Number two, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, it's a sad fact that we live in a hard world, tough world. And many people are brokenhearted. They're broken. Broken heart, broken spirit. And I'm 39 now, so I'm getting older. I'll be 40 pretty soon, a couple weeks. And uh, life's hard. I know it now. I'm not young. I'm not 20. I've been through some things. I've buried a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people die. Friends. I've, I know what health problems are like. I know what pain is like. Physically, mentally, and emotionally. I know what it's like. Life's not easy. Life is hard. Can you imagine doing that without Jesus? Okay? Now, those of you older here, you know what I'm talking about. You know what? You know, young, okay? I mean, life is... And life's good, don't get me wrong, but you're going to reach a lot of problems. It's not easy for anyone. In this world, they are, they're broken. Their heart's broken. Now, the city I live in is very rich. It's, it's a rich, rich town. I mean, BMWs and Mercedes are common. Of course, it's like the Chevys and Fords over there, but still, rich people. And they're coming back from Western Europe with a lot of money. We have everything, two new malls, anything you could think of, you can get it there. And I know they're broken heart. I know there's problems because every day in the news, they're catching people driving under the influence of drugs. I don't know what kind of drugs they are, but it's a problem. You know what that tells me? People are broken hearted. That money's not satisfying. And if they're doing that, guess what? They're, and divorce is rampant. Families are being broken up. Children are being split up. People are hurting out there. They're hurting. And Jesus came to, to bound up the brokenhearted. We'll look at sin. It, it, it traps people. but They're trapped in their sin. But Jesus came to bind them up. He is the great physician. So he has the gospel message, but he sat next to him and says, Look, I can heal you from your sin. I can bind you up. I can put you back together. And that's the message we have to this world. Look, Jesus... You need him. Your family needs him. He can bind you can he can bound you up, bind you up. Your broken heart. And that's what this world needs. Look at Job chapter 22. Interesting verse here. Job 22. When I was uh, studying for this, probably over a year ago, uh, I came across this verse in Job 22. I thought it interesting. Job 22, 29. One example of this is a man uh, named Dan in Romania. He's a couple years older than me. And uh, his mother started coming. I handed her a gospel track, and she started coming to church. 
And he came back from working in England and says, I got to go to this church that my mom's going to. She's talking about it all the time. So he's saved. And, uh, but uh, he was an alcoholic and a severe, severe anxiety. He would stand in the back of the church and just, just he couldn't stand still. You know, he's just really anxious and stuff. And, and it felt bad for him. And uh, never finished his high school diploma. Very smart man. He wasn't dumb at all. And uh, he would call me on the phone, just crying, you know, half drunk, you know. Couldn't, couldn't control his anxiety and just in trouble. And his heart was broken. A girlfriend had broke his heart and just, just couldn't get over it, you know. And uh, I would just listen and listen and listen, hours and hours and hours with him. And I'm happy to say he got his high school diploma. His life is together. He can hold a job now. And Jesus did that. And, you know, I'm not important. I'm just a vessel. And all I really did was listen. You know, I was available I would pick up the phone and listen for hours or meet with him and talk and help him through these problems. And that's all that people want. Listen, they want you to listen, show the love of Christ, sit down with them, and you can make a difference in someone's life. And that's what happened with Dan. Look at Job chapter 22. Job chapter 22 and verse 29. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up, and he shall save the humble spirit. Men are cast down, their hearts are broken. But look, it says, when thou, when God, that's the Lord speaking, when thou shalt say, there is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. God's hand is outstretched, and he wants to lift them up. Out of the miry clay, he wants to lift them up and bind them up and heal their wounds. He wants to do that this morning. And that's the message Jesus spoke. Number three, he gave liberty to the captives. In verse one, back in Isaiah, he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Number two, he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. You know, sin keeps men in bondage. Sin traps a person. It seems there's no way out. And I was just talking about the drug problem in Romania. And they think, oh, it's fun, it's fine. And you know what? Slowly, it just, it's like cords, right? Proverbs says cords, right? They can't get loose. It binds them. And they're bound up and sin traps. And there seems to be no way out. But Jesus came to set them free from that sin and that bondage because he paid for their sins. This is a simple message, but an important one. And over many years in the ministry, I've seen how Jesus sets men and women and children free from their sin. John chapter 8, verse 32. These, these two verses were my dad's favorite verses. John eight thirty two and verse and verse 36. Look, God came to set men free, not to put them under a yoke of bondage, but to set them free from sin and the law. John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 6, but ye were the servants of sin. Ye were. But you're set free. And child of God, let me just say, don't go back under sin. Don't go back under the law. 
We've been called to liberty. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jesus Christ came to set us free. Give us liberty. Set us free from that sin. That's the third part of this message. Number four. Now, this is the negative one. This is the, you know, we have to preach the truth. And here in verse two, it says to proclaim the day of God's vengeance. Number two, or in verse two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. It says, it says here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, this is a balanced message. Most of it's positive, but we have to tell the truth. As God's messengers, you have to tell the truth. You can tell the truth in love. You can tell it in compassion, but you have to tell the truth. And when someone says, no, I don't want that, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is the only way. Okay, fine. But the wrath of God is upon you. The vengeance of God is coming. And it says here, an acceptable year of the Lord. Look, there's an acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not an hour. Because there's only so much time. You don't know how long you're going to live. It's an acceptable time. And if you don't, the rest of the verse is going to follow. The vengeance of God is coming. So I say this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to come this morning in an acceptable time when you can. Because if you don't, the vengeance of God is coming. John chapter 3. Now we know John 3.16 and a lot of great verses. In verse 36, John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's great. That's a blessing. Amen. But we have to finish reading the verse. John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Look, Jesus has warned us that the wrath of God is upon those that reject him. 2 Thessalonians 1.8, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and watch this, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we started with the good news of the gospel. And Jesus wants to, to bind you up, bind your broken heart, and set you free. But if you reject it, the truth that I have to tell you this morning is the wrath of God is upon you if you reject that message this morning. And number four, or number five, it's interesting here, it ends, verse two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. The last part of this message is to comfort those that mourn. So while it's true that God's going to judge Sin. He's going to judge those that reject him. But it's interesting that God wants to offer you his comfort this morning. He's right there. You don't have to be under the wrath of God. It's so sad. People think God doesn't care. God doesn't care whether I, whether I accept him or reject him. I'm like a little ant. And God's way up there. And God doesn't care about me. I'm nothing. I'm insignificant. No, God's looking at every one of you this morning. God does care. And he's saying, look, I want to comfort you. I want to help you. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come to him. He wants to comfort you. If you are his child this morning and you're away from him and you're just rejecting him, rejecting 
then come to him because he wants to comfort you. <laughs> He's right there. It's a message of comfort. It's so sad that that's what people need. God's not, God's not up there, a mean God, wanting to you know, hit you over the head. He loved you. He died for you on the cross. Amen. He gave everything. He wants to comfort you, but he's also holy and he's righteous. And your sin has to be paid for. See? So if you don't let Jesus pay for it, then you have to pay for it in hell forever. God wants to comfort you this morning. Also, as a child of God, he'll let you go through some things so you can comfort others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So this message is very simple this morning. It's the good news of the gospel. He's come to bind up the brokenhearted, to set men free. It's also a message of warning that the wrath of God is coming if you reject it. And it's a message of comfort. And there's one other thing here in verse 3. It's interesting. I like how this passage ends. In verse 3, you have beauty, joy, and praise to those who are heavy in spirit. It's a wonderful way to end this message. This is the fruit of this message. Let's read verse 3. Isaiah 61, verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, it's, it's hard when you have a heavy spirit. I've been there. It's hard when the troubles of life seem to just weigh you down. That's difficult. That's hard. But the messenger of God can bring beauty, joy, and praise to such people. Instead of ashes, he'll bring beauty. Instead of mourning, the oil of joy. And instead of a spirit of heaviness, a garment of praise. The word of God can lift up your spirit. The messenger of God, and that could be your pastor, that could be the fellow Christian sitting next to you this morning, he could be the messenger of God to lift your spirit up this morning. And I hope you'll let them do that, or you'll be the one to lift somebody up, whichever, wherever you're at this morning. Because God wants to lift you up and help you this morning. And praise the Lord, he sends us help when we need it. And the last thing here in this uh, chapter are these trees. Interesting. You can look at Psalms chapter 1. That goes with it. Many places in the Bible. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That is the fruit. It's trees firmly planted. Ah, what a blessing. You see, people respond to this message, and now they're trees firmly planted in the ground, not swayed to and fro. They're stable now. They're bringing forth fruit. All why? All for the glory of God. And that's the result that's why, I mean, I want God to be glorified in Romania. That's why I'm there, to, to bring glory to God. Amen. And this message, that's what it's going to bring. Any other message that doesn't bring glory to God is not God's message. Amen? So these, these, the fruit is you as a Christian, firmly planted. Amen? Amen? Bringing forth fruit and bringing glory to God. 
that's, that's the result of this message this morning. So I hope this morning that you will consider this and we will consider it and, and give this world a message, a message of hope, a message of compassion. Jesus Christ was a man of compassion. Amen. He wanted to heal them from sin. He healed their physical, physical infirmities to prove his deity, okay? To prove he was God in the flesh. But he came first and foremost to set men free from their sin, to give them help, to give them the comfort so they could be trees firmly planted for the glory of God. Amen? All right. Let's pray, and Pastor will, will come.